Welcome to The Institute, a podcast on the lives and work of fellows and friends at the Institute for the Arts and Humanities at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I'm Philip Hollingsworth. In this episode, I speak with playwright and assistant professor of dramatic art, Jacqueline Lawton. In our conversation, Professor Lawton shares her best moments teaching drama at UNC, as well as the inspiration for her latest play on investigative journalist Marvell Cook. To start out, could you talk a little bit about what you work on and what you, or even what you teach here at the, at the university? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Dramatic Art. And the classes I teach are play analysis, theater for social change, playwriting, creative dramatics, which some people don't know what that is. And uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Can you explain that? <laughs> so with creative dramatics, it's learning how arts can be used in the classroom or in therapy sessions or really anywhere, Just but, but like how it happens not on stage. Oh, I see. The way that I taught it, though, was to teach theater artists how to be teaching artists in the classroom so they could learn how to develop a curriculum, like whether it's a three-day curriculum or a 13-week curriculum. So that was really fun. So what inspired you to teach as opposed to just writing plays? Oh, that's great. So, oh, in addition to writing plays, I'm also, in teaching, I'm also a dramaturg at uh, with Playmakers Rep. Because oh, if you're on faculty in the Department of Dramatic Art, you're also on staff or artistic production um, with Playmakers. So yeah. I do dramaturgy, which if you don't know what dramaturgy is, <laughs> that is someone who does research around the world of a play. Okay. So socioeconomic, geographic kind of information yeah. about the play, the playwright, and like what this particular production is doing that might be different from how it was produced originally. And a dramaturg can also be someone who does, who helps with new play development. So mm. reading the script over and over again and helping the playwright fully visualize their ideas, the characters, and all that kind of thing. So, but um, why teaching? So for me, I really, I always knew I was going to be a theater artist, like apparently in my <laughs> little baby book. I wrote that I either wanted to be a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader or an actress because I grew up in Texas. Okay. So like this was has always been a passion for me. Um, but I just really love teaching the craft because I have such enthusiasm for it. Yeah. So I love teaching the craft, and teaching it helps me to stay on top of the craft. Like I can never get really, I can never get lazy. And these students have so many ideas, and they're funny, and they're passionate, and so it's really fun to engage with them uh, around theater, and particularly when, like, for theater for social change, I get students from all over campus. Like they're not just drama majors, so that mm. that's really exciting to see the intersection of theater and justice and health and science and um, you know whatever it is. So for me, all three of those are so integral. So being a playwright, being a dramaturg being a teacher. I also uh, direct at times and I'm a producer. So there's a lot that goes into, you know, showing up <laughs> every day yeah, in this yeah. world. Um, but I just love it. I, I really love teaching. That's great. Uh, what are your favorite moments in the classroom? For me, it's when a student comes in. <laughs> okay. So a student comes into the class and they know that it's an acting class, but they don't actually realize that we're going to perform. They just think that we're going to be studying theater. And particularly with Theater for Social Change, right? We do theater games every day. And then they, they have two major theater projects that happen with an audience. One of them is the Guerrilla Theater Project, which is like a protest project, a protest okay. play, five minutes that actually happens at, on the pit. Mm -hmm. So the idea of these students are like, what? We had no idea that this is what we were going to do, perform outside. And then we do a devised theater piece where we invite audience to come. So that is my favorite moment because in that first day when we go over the syllabus, 
sheer and utter panic. But they all come back. Right. And then yeah. when they actually perform, they are so amazed. They're like, I can't believe I did that. They're so happy. And an audience, you know, gathers around. They're always really surprised by that. So that sense of accomplishment and achievement is something that's just so joyful. It's something that they never expected that they could do. That's my favorite moment. That's great. So you mentioned that, that there's that one particular class where there's people that are not necessarily drama majors. Yeah. Even though they may not ever take another drama class, what do you hope they get out of that and take that to whatever else their career path entails? Okay, that's really wonderful. It's something I think about a lot, which is what do what does theater do? What, mm-hmm. what can theater do for those who aren't going to pursue it as a career and profession? And one, I hope that what they walk away with is an appreciation for this field, that it's an option of something that they do. Like maybe they go to the game, they go to the movie, they go to dinner, they take in a play. Right. And that this exploration of the human condition, which is what theater does, is has value and it's significant. And it allows us for, you know, the five minutes, if it's a short piece, to two hours to sit in contemplation of an idea through human exploration that we might not have ever done before. Empathy is created. Community is created. And so I hope that they just have, oh, there's this thing called theater that I did for one semester and I enjoyed it. So I'd like to introduce some other people to it. Um, the other thing that I really hope they get out of it is this idea of being able to share to share your ideas through the written form or mm-hmm. through performance. Confidence, obviously, is one thing that, because a lot of students come and say, well, I took this class because I'm in journalism or I'm in law or I'm in whatever, and, I, and I'm really scared of speaking in public. And so this, I, we practice different ways of, um, you know, diction and calming oneself down when they have to give a speech and presentation. So just practical skills yeah. they walk away with too, in addition to hopefully appreciation for for the form. Is there a quick one of those tips you could give everybody right now in terms of calming oneself down during... You've got to breathe. Okay. The thing that happens is we forget to breathe when we panic or when we forget what we're going to say, we get lost. Yeah. We suddenly... I don't know why, but our body just shuts down. If you can just breathe, just take a deep breath, yeah. you'll be able to get back on track. You'll, you'll be able to collect your thoughts. And it's okay if you pause. Like, you could be giving a speech before 150,000 people. Yeah. You taking a pause is fine. Right. You know? So that's really and, – and also to remember that when people show up, they want you to be good. Right. No yeah, one actually yeah. wants you to fail because <laughs> they want to enjoy their experience too. Right. You know? so yeah, I think people yeah. can remember that. It'll help them so much more. I think I, I've definitely done that in job interviews over the phone. Okay. And I've caught myself like stop breathing. Yeah. And then I'm panting. Right. And it right. doesn't go well. <laughs> we also do it when we exercise. We stop, which is like the worst time to stop breathing because you will pass out. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You just breathe. That's the biggest tip. Like breathe it. through it. I like it. Can you talk a little bit about the Marvell Cook project? I was. You know, journalism right now is both under attack and our biggest form of activism and probably always has been, the First Amendment, all of that kind of thing. And I was looking for a way to write a play about about journalism and the role of journalism and what happens if you have a, a figure that is paranoid and then tries to stop the journalism from happening, the truth being told, whatever it is, right. the point of yeah. view being taken out. And I just did a bunch of research, and I'd never even heard of Marvell Cook as I was just doing this research on black female journalists. Like, if I haven't heard of her, and that happens a lot, like where I find out about somebody and I'm like, how could I do so much research? How could I not know about this person? If I don't know, do other people not know? And nobody knew. And the thing that I found most interesting about her is she did this research project. Well, it, I mean, she did this investigative story 
on these women in the Bronx. They called themselves the Paper Bag Brigades. It was black women who carried their um, housekeeping uniforms in paper bags, and they'd line up, and the women from Manhattan would come and hire them for the day. Mm. But they would get fired before the end of the day, so they wouldn't have to get paid the full day of wage. So Marlboro Cook went undercover, worked as a housekeeper, was able to turn that investigative research into a four-series article that Uh, then made people aware of what was going on. And so we were able to get more laws to regulate housekeeping to protect protect that field, to protect people working in that area. But then, okay, so she was also... What time period was this? So this was like the 1940s when she did that first story, but then she went back to the story in 1950s because it was still happening. Changes hadn't actually been implemented, which we know happens all the time. Laws are passed, but they don't actually get implemented. Okay, Mm -hmm. but so the other thing about her that's amazing is she was the first black female journalist to work at a white newspaper, and it was a communist newspaper. So when McCarthy was investigating communism, she was called to testify, and Uh she shut it down because she's this hilarious, bold, just, you know, completely under the full awareness of her being self and she was not going to be called in and turned out and she shut the place down people were laughing they couldn't control it anymore so it's like oh my gosh this, there has to be a play about this woman yeah because i read the transcripts and i read her articles so like i have to write is there a story. audio or video of that or i that... don't have any audio yet because oh, i'm only in the very beginning oh, okay, okay. of the research so so far i've only just read the the transcripts How did you originally come across this historical figure? I was working on this play, Intelligence, at Arena Stage, and this play explores what it means to speak truth to power, and it was during the Bush administration in 2003, we went to war in Iraq. Right. So I was like, what's the next big thing? And it was so relevant to what was happening right now. So audiences are watching it, they're making comparisons to what's going on politically today, and I'm like, this is powerful, this is relevant. What else is what else is really big right now? And journalism is the big thing. That so there was just this doubt, like this doubt about if what's being reported, is it true, is it not true, and what are the shared truths that we need in order to just move forward. And so I was looking at the role of journalists and what happens when journalists are questioned, and what happens when you can't prove the truth because there's so many moments of doubt. So that's the, how the research began. Yeah. And so for me, part of my um, social justice, how it shows up in my art, is I always place women at the center of the play so that we can, I mean, the reason why I became a playwright is because I was tired of being cast in these sort of like throwaway roles because, you know, I wasn't being considered for like a lead role, but I'd be the maid and not even an interesting maid, just a maid that just came on and off. And I said, well, okay, if this, how are we going to change that? Someone's got to write better roles. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, let me be a playwright. So I learned how to be a playwright. So my goal always is to place women at the center of the stories, place women of color at the center of stories. And so that's how I was looking for, okay, black female journalists, first black female journalists, and Marvell Cook popped up, and I found out about her. That's great. This is, a, this is a question we ask everybody. Okay. What's a book that changed your life? I think it's going to be, okay, it's either this book I'm about to tell you about, or it's a play. Either way. Okay. So I read Shea Youngblood's A Black Girl in Paris. And that is just one of the most beautiful novels I've ever read. And it just really explores this young writer. She was working um, as a sort of an assistant to this professor. And she ends up going to Paris. She works as a model at some point. She works as a personal assistant. She has all these adventures in Paris. And so I decided, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. Because I'm a writer and I'm a black woman. I'm supposed to go to Paris. And I 
started, I had like $500 in my bank account. <laughs> this was after I graduated undergrad. Uh-huh. And I talked to a couple of my mentors and told them this was my plan. And they all, I don't know if they had a meeting or something. They said, or you could apply for an MFA. Yeah. So I tracked the trajectory that ended up being my career to that book, to A Black Girl oh, in yeah. Paris, because oh, I great. had this dream and ambition. My mentors wanted to honor it, but also give me sort of a structure. Mm-hmm. So I applied for the MFA program at UT Austin. I got in. Okay. I was a missioner fellow as well. Mm-hmm. And during the summers, I did my travels to Europe. So I actually got to do both things, which was kind of amazing. The play, I think, it's really a musical that changed my life, was um, Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods. And if you've never seen this, it it brings together all these fairy tales. Oh, it is the most exquisitely beautiful and imaginative way. And, like, there's the idea of it, so you end happily ever after, right? Like, that's the end of all these fairy tales. But what happens if happily ever after isn't the end? And you find out what happens next. So Mm. in the next, in the second act, you find out what really happens, and it's not so happy. And it just blew my mind when I saw, because I I saw it on PBS. They showed it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is what theater can do. It can put these familiar stories, these familiar people, turn on head and just crack open life and and the human condition away and it just I was like wow I have to be a part of this world of creating theater to just show people that they're not alone it's like in their questions and their journeys and they're in feeling lost in the world like they're not they're not on their own so that those two I feel like those two pieces of literature really shifted for me yeah. my own world and way of being but also what what theater can do and when did you first come across that the novel and, the, and Into the Woods? So Into the Woods was in seventh grade. <laughs> yeah. And good. then the novel, it had to be my senior year in, as an undergrad. So this oh, was okay. in 99 because I graduated mm-hmm. early. Well, thank you very much for your time. I awesome. enjoyed it. It's been so great. Yeah. And I'm so excited about the fall. Yeah. Check back at ih.unc.edu for the latest news on our fellows and upcoming events at Hyde Hall. You can find all our episodes of the podcast on our website as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at IAH underscore UNC.